Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. You know what, buddy? This is our Ask How to Money episode where we get to hear directly from some listeners. We get to answer some of their specific questions, and we've got five great ones to get to today. Uh, There's a couple. They're getting married, and so they're asking just about the best ways to combine their accounts. I thought they were going to ask you to officiate officiate their wedding. Why not? I thought you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Wish. I feel like I could do a pretty decent job. I think so. Just standing up there in the middle. I trust you. Uh, Another listener... He's thinking about investing in REITs. And so, first of all, we'll talk about what those are and maybe how much of your portfolio should be invested in REITs. Mm. And then uh, another listener, she's asking about... By the way, it's real estate adjacent, just in case. We'll, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll get the full explanation. Like, Normally, we try to... We don't uh, use abbreviations or acronyms without fully explaining, and we'll totally get to that during this episode. But yeah, real estate adjacent is a good way to explain it. Uh, and then another couple, they are looking for ways to reduce childcare costs. They've got those massive expenses in their life and they want to know what they can do about it. A lot more folks are having kids these days, man. And so it is important to know how to keep that expense Mm -hmm. to a minimum. I guess you don't want to go like overly cheap. Somebody could send in a frugal or cheap and say, hey, (laughs) should I leave my kid in a park? (laughs) No, no, no. Bring him home. If I pay for Netflix, $8.99 a month, is that considered childcare? No. Not really. Uh, depends, I guess, on how you want your kids to grow up, but <laughs> at least from our standpoint, no, not good child care. Do you or don't you want them to be well-adjusted? Right, exactly. So, all right, Matt, but let, before we get to that, before we get to our listener questions, just want to mention listener Wayne, he emailed us recently, and this was something I had not seen before, but apparently Walmart 
just started offering people the ability to pay with some of the the credit card points they've amassed, specifically through City, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I love how he put it. He was he was like, I appreciate the fact that they're offering more ways for me to use my points. But the conversion value was trash, and so he 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 said the offense, the gall, the absolute <laughs> insults. So Wayne, first off, you're funny, man. But yes, it is when you see that if you're uh, checking out, let's say with a city card at Walmart, you might see the that you have the ability to use points to pay for your purchase, and you might be tempted to do that. But we would say it kind of feels like free money. You're like, yeah. oh, why? Yes, I would love to have a ten dollar discount. But I don't want it to cost uh, twelve hundred and fifty points, which is exactly. what the conversion was for him. And so, well, so what's interesting? It reduces the value of the points when you can yeah, find better exactly. ways to spend them. Yeah. And so this is specifically happening in person, uh, which is. Cr- I think that's like, to me, that's, I think, the interesting part, because if you're standing there at the register, you're not fully sitting, standing there. You're not whipping out your phone, going to the calculator, doing the conversions, because right. oftentimes when you could use points to pay for things online, oftentimes you would get a discount. There is a benefit that you received by, you know, using your points with a specific retailer. Uh, but in this case, they're flipping the script. And Wal- I guess Walmart, I don't know how exactly it works, but either way, you definitely are not getting the benefit. I'm not sure who is, mm-hmm. but you are not. Uh, and so we just want to make sure that this this is something that folks are aware of. We are all about using credit cards well to use them as a tool in order to bolster your personal finances. But uh, this is one of those instances where we don't want you to get ripped off. Yeah, and if you're going to rack up those points, you might as well use them in the most effective way you possibly can, not just to like you know reduce your bill at Walmart when you're getting an inferior rate of return on the points that you've worked hard to get. So mm-hmm. make sure you're not just frivolous, frivolously spending those points. And so next time you're checking out at Walmart, you're going to see this little thing pop up. Just politely decline that offer to spend those points. And then be like, wait a second, how many points do I have? And start thinking about the coolest things you can do with them. That, like, I think uh, there was an example I saw of how a certain amount of points basically that would equate to, I think, like, uh, just like $100 on your Walmart purchase. You could take a, a, a European vacation, a flight to Europe with that same amount of money. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, yeah, those points are. Which one are, would you prefer? <laughs> are much better. the The conversion is much better when it comes to actually using those points, in particular towards to flights, yeah. f- uh, towards actual travel. Mm-hmm. That's the the best way to go. Uh, but yeah, so keep that in mind. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce the beer we're going to enjoy during this episode, man. This is Jasper with Peacherine. This is by Fiddens Brewing, and a big thanks to Michael and his wife. Uh, Emily, who's a big listener here at the show, she just celebrated her 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. So did you? Which we didn't talk hey. about really on the show. Did we mention that? We we did a little bit. Okay. But All right. Yeah. Matt's officially old. I turned 40. And I so mean, my, my birthday's at Christmas, <laughs> and so I never. I just don't ever do a ton of like big birthday stuff yeah. typically. So for me, birthdays for me personally, birthdays are never yeah that big of a deal. You're the but. opposite of my wife. She loves to celebrate her birthday. <laughs> uh, but no, th- this one I can already tell is going to be amazing. We'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode. Yes. But let's uh, get to the topic at hand. We're taking listener questions. We got five we want to get to on this episode. And if you're out there and you're like, I have a personal finance question burning deep within me, and you just you, you want to ask Matt and I, we would love to tackle it on a future episode. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. You'll see simple directions there for how you can submit your question to us so we can take it on the next Ask HTM episode. But this one is, uh, this first question is about how to handle money as soon-to-be newlyweds. Hey there, Matt and Joel. John from Olympia, Washington here. I just got engaged in the fall of 2022, and my fiancé Christy and I are said to get married in summer 2023. We are preparing to combine our finances. 
but I am struggling to find some practical advice on how to do that. We are both in our late 20s and have separate IRAs, TSPs, and a host of other accounts and credit cards that we have built over several years of full-time work as adults. Christy is planning to stop full-time work after the wedding. What are some things to consider for the actual move of combining finances? Which accounts to keep, how to merge things, and things like that. Christy is especially interested in your thoughts on credit cards and how we should manage the ones we have. Being active duty, I don't have to worry about annual fees on the cards in my name, and so I've accumulated quite a few to earn some sign-up bonuses. Thanks to you both, and cheers. All right, John, congrats on getting engaged, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say good luck with uh, the wedding planning, because it can be expensive, but hopefully it's a time when, uh, you know, when y'all are able to communicate well, where you can work together as a team, as a unit, to plan an awesome wedding. Yeah, those emotions yeah. can get high. They, they can get high, <laughs> for sure. You know, with, with all the family members who are involved. That's true. A lot of family, a lot of financial decisions. If your relationship hasn't been tested yet. It's going to be. It, it might be. <laughs> it's even over like the smallest decision sometimes during that process too. It's like, what color flowers are we going to have? It's like no. red, no blue. I mean. Okay, you want to hear uh, a small, I don't, I don't think Kate and I have ever actually talked about this, but one of the things that we had a multi-day conversation on <laughs> was the uh, rehearsal dinner. I was really wanting to have barbecue uh, at a rehearsal dinner and Kate was like no 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 that's, <laughs> that's just too low brow for my for our wedding for our rehearsal dinner I was like come on it's just it's supposed to be a little more casual I'm not yeah. talking about the actual wedding day which if you want to have awesome barbecue at your you know for your actual wedding I think that's awesome too but that's not necessarily what, what Kate had in mind yeah. so that was a, uh, that was a battle kinda, I, was, I was willing to lose those are the kind of things you got to kind of find some place of agreement on yeah. right? it's not yeah. always easy and ju- you know it's important just to remember the, the end goal which is getting married to each other you know it doesn't have to mean uh, throwing a massively expensive party if that's not in the cards for y'all for sure and let's talk about uh, what it looks like to combine finances as a married couple because we would say we do believe that combining finances is the best way for most couples to handle their money not everyone feels comfortable doing that but when you look at the stats couples who combine their money end up being happier it's what matt and i do in our individual respective marriages and it's what we recommend and there was actually a study that the wall street journal just referenced and they found that there's greater spending accountability when you merge finances but interestingly enough that doesn't actually lead to greater levels of conflict as you might suspect you might think combining finances cool yeah it might be helpful that's one front but it's also going to prohibit my ability to enjoy the money that comes in it seems like that's not the case for most couples and i think it's because that accountability essentially forces uh, some conversations to take place that otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't it, it it basically requires you both to get on the same page with your finances which is why a budget is so often a great tool for couples allowing them yep. to like get on the same page right it's, it's like a it's a it's a forum for you to talk about your money yeah. it, it like literally gives shape to the way that you talk about how it is that you want to spend your money I creates think. the spark for the conversations mm-hmm. for sure because there's so many things that you have to figure out and agree on but just just make sure that you're thinking of each other and you're creating line items in your budget to allow for each person in the relationship to spend as they see fit and and you know one more statistic on that front couples who manage their money completely separately from their partner are five times more likely to leave the relationship due to money issues so i believe it it's those kinds of stats that happen it's like you're not all bought in and it makes it easier to piece out so i think uh especially think about the marriage vows that that you're the, the things that you're saying when you get married to someone else combining finances 
to me seems to only make sense in light of that. Yeah. And I think one of the other benefits of combining your finances as well uh, is that you now have the ability to to fall into specific roles. You know, up until now, you've both managed your finances individually, uh, whether that was something that you enjoyed <laughs> or whether that was something that you were actually good at. Uh, it's something that you had to do regardless. It's, it's kind of like back during your single days when y'all just met. Well, you were both likely paying rent uh, or maybe one of y'all had a mortgage, but you were both paying for housing separately. But yeah, by moving in together, by now getting married, you're able to consolidate your expenses. So I, I think in the same way, I think you might find yourselves um, specializing in ways that allow you to now complement each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses. It allows you, to, you know, again, you know, you both work to, to work as a team, sort of like going back to wedding planning. You're now doing this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it'll also in the same way that living under the same roof, how that frees up some money to now spend in other ways or p- to put towards goals that you might have uh, the ability now to free up some time that you would have otherwise spent on keeping up with your expenses or take taking care of grocery shopping one day or managing your investments. These are now things that maybe you can consolidate under one roof. And I think you'll, you'll definitely see the benefit there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not to mention another uh, positive impact of combining your money is that it's just simpler. It makes it easier to save and invest for mutual goals. And so let's talk about combining bank accounts and and how to do that. I, I would say I'd pick one of our favorite online banks that we talk about all the time. My guess is, though, based on how John asked his question, Matt, that, that he's already got an account at one of the, those great banks, mm-hmm. that he's not probably doing business with Wells Fargo. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so make sure that first off... If you are, turn and repent, John. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you want to toss that out of your life. But it, yeah, so if you don't have an account with one of our favorite banks, we talk about them all the time, CIT, Discover, Capital One, there are uh, Ally, there are lots of great online banks that you should that you can choose from. And so if you, have, uh, if you have automatic payments, make sure to transfer those over to this new bank that you're both going to be doing business with in order to ensure that no bill payments get missed right during this process but there's just uh he asked about retirement accounts too matt there's there's not really a need to combine retirement accounts uh you you might want to you might want to make sure that as many as you can have with just one or two institutions that you can do that you can roll over accounts from one institution to another we like fidelity vanguard and schwab those are three of our favorites Uh, but yeah there's nothing wrong with having different accounts open and they all have strengths and and weaknesses they all have different tax advantages and, and having access to all of the above in retirement we would say is a great thing and it might be nicer to have fewer logins to remember so if that's what you're really after then yeah rolling over from a different brokerage to one of our favorite low-cost ones could make sense for you and if you want help doing that we've talked about capitalize being a great uh, company to turn to who can help you roll over let's say an old ira to like a, a, a new lower cost company but uh, one other thing i want to mention on the retirement account front matt that is as you're getting married it's important to go back in there and look again at your beneficiaries because it might mm. be your sister or your mom or something on there right now. Or even worse, your ex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you, you don't want that money going to her. No, that would be the worst. <laughs> so that that is, it's a simple thing to go in there and change the beneficiaries on those accounts. But make sure both, John, that you and your, your new bride, that you're both going in there updating beneficiaries so that you have each other listed as uh, the beneficiary on, on all those accounts. Yeah, and you can, it makes me think of uh, my, our Vanguard accounts. And I don't even have access, so at, well, once upon a time, I gave myself the ability to see Kate's accounts when I log in. But then since then, uh, she we, we'd opened a traditional IRA for her. 
But that was after I gave myself access to her Roth, which means that if we wanted to add money to her traditional IRA, we actually I have to like log out of my account and re-log in to hers. Uh-huh. And so, it's just something I've never gotten gotten around to. Uh, <laughs> and so I mentioned that because it's, it's honestly not that big of a deal as long as you are good at keeping up with your logins. Yeah. Um, but, but it's okay to have three, four, five different yeah. relationships with different... It, it, if you want simplicity, totally sure, fine. but... It's it's not, it's not a that problem. big. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, not a big deal. And the, I, when it comes to actually transferring funds, so if you both have separate savings or checking accounts, I would suggest definitely combining those because the ability to have all of your money in one place, um, and you can just easily do that by just like whatever it's called on your online bank, but like managing external accounts, just make sure if you're not already linked, you might already actually be linked, uh, but the ability to, to, to add that other account and then you can just transfer that money over. And that's assuming there is a large amount of money in there because you might even just be able to uh, use Cash App <laughs> or, yeah. or Venmo to send, send that money over. Uh, but then as far as credit cards, you're, you're asking about that. Uh, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you're taking advantage of the, the no annual fee perk that service members are offered. Thank you for your service, by the way. But when you can get a, a killer credit card that normally has a $650 annual fee without paying it, <laughs> that is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those perks on those cards are awesome. They're insane. Uh, but there's not any need to, to close any of those accounts that you currently have. Unless some of the ones that she has, uh, if some of those come with annual fees and you're not getting enough benefits from those cards to make sense of paying those fees. Uh, but it's important to, to decide which ones that you want to use regularly in order to optimize your credit card use. You want to be strategic about what cards you're, you're using at what stores, that kind of thing, or a particular card at a ter- you know particular type of store, like grocery stores. Um, but as always, this goes for everyone out there. Don't use credit cards. If you can't pay the bill off on time and in full each and every month, maybe another way to, to kind of simplify things as well, maybe add uh, your new wife as an authorized user, because that way, I don't. if you both have separate Maybe you've got the same credit card, but if it's a completely different account, that might make it difficult, difficult, a little onerous to reconcile those and keep up with all those expenses. But if, yeah. again, if you have all of those under a single roof and uh, the ability to combine those those cards by adding her as an authorized user, I could see that going a long ways and, and making things a little bit easier as well. Yeah. For sure. And I think some people might retort, Matt, that, well, credit cards, some recent stats you guys have given on the t- on the show, something like 50% of people don't pay off their credit card balance on time and in full every month. And so why you shouldn't even use them. But I would say don't don't hate the player, hate the game. And the game, <laughs> the game is like, same thing with credit scores, right? That some people would say it's a messed up, it's a messed up game. So don't even play, opt out. But it's kind of a necessary evil that we all have to kind of partake in. And I think credit cards, if you you can use them well if you can use them wisely which it sounds like john and his wife are going to be able to do then uh the, the perks he can get specifically from not having that annual fee on some of those cards like those secondary benefits are going to be incredible and so yeah it's it's one of those things where we would say you got to play it correctly but uh josh and christy they seem to be on top of it and yeah, it sounds like y'all are making made some super smart moves over the years that have given you the ability to be more flexible we hope that your wedding is fantastic and that combining your money and your lives together isn't as daunting as it might seem. And so, uh, again, I think clear and kind communication is key. Like if you want to succeed at managing money together or even at like being married well, <laughs> the, the clear and kind <laughs> communication is going to take you a long totally. way. But Matt, we've got more questions to get to on this episode, including that one about REITs that you mentioned. We're going to talk about investing in real estate, but in kind of like a a funkier way that basically anybody can do. We'll talk about that and more right after this. When 
When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, man, before we get to how you can diversify your portfolio using REITs, let's uh, hear from a listener who she's actually seen a setback with her personal finances. Let's hear that one. Hi guys, my name is Kate from Michigan City, Indiana. Normally I live my life in Money Gear 7, but I had a true emergency recently and I had to drain my emergency fund to only $1,500. Looking at my budget, I can afford to put $150 per month back into this fund. Is this fast enough or should I also stop funding my Roth IRA until I get back to the six-month amount? Thanks guys, keep it up. Oh, man, I kind of like getting a nice nuanced money gear question from a listener. And by the way, if you're like, what are the money gears? If you haven't been listening very long, it is kind of the financial order of operations that Matt and I have said, like this, this is kind of the way in which you should go. This is the route you should take. And if you're wondering what they are, you can take a look at them. Just go to howtomoney.com slash start here. And you can see them all listed out in order. uh, And you can figure out where are you? Are you in money gear one, money gear four? Mm -hmm. Well, Kate, she's in money gear number seven. and, And Kate, I'm so sorry to hear that you had an emergency, but 
I'm also glad that you had the money on hand to take care of it. Oh, heck yeah. Without fretting too hard, right? That's what financial margins all about that is what it's for she didn't have to put that on credit cards she didn't have to take out a personal loan or visit a loan shark (laughs) or beg her mom or something risk her leg getting broken right (laughs) (laughs) no she actually used her emergency fund that's what those things are for that's right yeah begging relatives not the situation you want to be in you want to be self-sufficient and and kate was but let's take it to uh, look at the particulars of Kate's situation, Matt, where she's at now. She's still got 1500 bucks hanging out. So 1500 bucks in her savings. That's not that's not bad. The e-fund isn't totally depleted. Uh, and she's got $150 of free cash flow to dedicate to rebuilding that fund. So does she need to stop contributing to what is one of our favorite retirement accounts uh, until she's got that puppy back up to where she wants it? I'll say, obviously, in a perfect world, she'd be able to do both, right? But that's just not how life and money works. I I still don't think that she needs to stop contributing to her Roth. I think she can do both simultaneously, provided, though, that she opts to not invest the money that she's putting in the Roth at least until that e-fund is looking a little fatter, a little more substantial. Yeah, so the not investing part, that is that is the, the most crucial aspect of, of what we're discussing mm-hmm. here. Uh, be, like Because of the limited window of time that the IRS gives us, we can only contribute to, so for instance, last year's 2022's Roth until tax day. Beyond that date, you'll never be able to contribute to previous year's Roths. But you can always pull contributions out of that Roth if another emergency was to arise. Without it's kind of like the Cinderella pumpkin at midnight thing. It's like <laughs> you, it, it, once you you're past it. that yeah. time, you you lose the magic. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can withdraw contributions without any penalty. So our best suggestion to you, Kate, is to try and do both simultaneously. Make those contributions to your Roth, but then just don't invest those funds. You can uh, you can leave that money there on the sidelines. In the like the a lot of times there it's just like a default money market account or it's a, a sweep account. That way, if the 2023 market continues to look like last year and another emergency pops up in your life, well, you won't have to pull out that money at a loss. You won't actually have to sell at a loss, but that money will just be parked there within that account that you can then draw on. Yeah, yeah. And the reason this works is because of the extreme flexibility that Roth IRAs in particular have, which is one of the reasons we love them so much as Mm -hmm. an investment vehicle, why we tout them so heavily. Like, Roth IRAs and HSAs are kind of like top two in our book. I mean, 401ks are up there too, or anything that gives you a company match, pretty sweet as well. But if you can put money in all the above, boom, <laughs> that's where we want you to be. But here's the thing with- Yeah, the, Roth IRAs are kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Like a, a 401k with a match, that's like a chainsaw. I don't know. <laughs> like it does You're one thing- You're still locking it away for only one. It does one thing really stinking well though. Right. Uh, whereas a Roth IRA, it's got a lot of flexibility, a lot of different options. Yeah. And the cool thing about the Roth is that you can withdraw contributions tax and penalty free. That's one of the coolest things about this account. And then let's say Kate had to take a little bit out. Well, she could still make up those contributions again, as long as she was able to do it before April 18th. Again, before tax day. Yeah. Yep. And still for the previous year's Roth, which is cool, right? Like 20, uh, this is important to know for all of our listeners. If you haven't maxed out last year's, don't start putting money in the 2023 Roth bucket. Fill up the 2022 bucket first. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the best case scenario is that you rebuild that e-fund fairly quickly 
And once that's done, you'll be able to then move those funds over from the money market account that Matt was talking about into the investments that you want them to be in inside of your Roth. So maybe they'll just be like hanging out for a little bit while you're building back up that e-fund. Uh, but uh, it allows you to accomplish both goals without putting yourself in a precarious situation and without having to leave that money that could have gone into your Roth on the sidelines, unable to ever enter for those, you know, the 2022 tax year. And so, yeah, I mean, Kate, it sounds like you're pretty far along in your money journey. And this is just like a blip, right? Just this is something that happens. Uh, the emergencies come along and good thing you were able to deal with it, right? But it sounds like you handle money well. And of course, I mean, Matt, it, it's clear that she handles money well. She's in Money Gear 7. Like, Heck if yeah. you're that far along, that's the last Money Gear, by the way, on in our Money Gears. And so it, she's doing it right. Yeah, it's not like this happened because of poor financial habits that she keeps you know, making mistakes, doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, no, she's making the right moves, but emergencies come along. And so, Kate, we trust you to pull off this maneuver. It's not super complicated, but you just got to make sure that you do it uh, properly so that you are funding the Roth, but you're not putting yourself at undue risk by investing it before you have that financial margin in your life to make it okay to then actually start putting that money to work for you for your future. Yeah. And I'm, honestly, one other option too, Kate, is you could just leave that that cash in what you hopefully have set up, <laughs> which is a high yield savings account. And because by leaving that money there, hopefully you are earning a higher rate of return than what you would typically get in one of those sweep accounts, one of those default money market accounts. And so that way you've got that sitting there. You haven't gone through any unnecessary steps by moving that money to your investment house, to the brokerage company that you do business with, where you would then have to move that money back if there was an emergency. Just let that money uh, sit there and the high yield savings. And then right before, well, not, not like right before, but sometime in April, some, yeah. um, like deploy that money. April 10th, put a calendar reminder on there for April 10th or something. Yeah. So and, you have plenty of time. And slide over that full $6,000 to make sure you uh, have a fully funded Roth at that point. Yeah. Or um, whatever you that remains unfunded. Th- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whatever remains. But that's another option to where you might be able to just keep things on the front end simple, at least, and hopefully cross your fingers that there aren't any more emergencies that pop up in yeah. your life. And that you're able to max that Roth out for 2022 and 2023, mm-hmm. despite this setback, which would be awesome. Heck yeah. So, all right, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one is about investing in real estate, but doing so through a publicly traded fund. Hey, Joel, Matt, this is uh, John from Virginia. I'm a longtime listener of you guys. Truly have made personal finance more of a hobby than anything to me. I really enjoy listening to your guys' content. So I was just curious about investing in REITs versus actual real estate. So I'm looking for a way to diversify, and and real estate is a great way to diversify your portfolio, but I'm trying to minimize the sweat equity that goes with owning physical real estate. And I know REITs are a great investment, um, I just didn't know like what the the trade-offs would be going just in REITs versus actual physical investment. And is it truly a like an inferior investment? You know, are REITs inferior to actually holding physical real estate? Just want to know your guys' thoughts on that because I know you guys are probably do a little bit of both. So um, yeah, thank you very much, and I appreciate your guys' uh, content, and uh, have a good one. John, thank you so much for your question. And first of all, I love that that money. That personal finances, <laughs> that it's become a hobby for you. I think that's a great way to, to think about it. It's not this thing that is uh, 
drudgery or a task or a chore like it used to be or even something to obsess over right it's, which a lot of people do they turn it into like well you, like you a, can obsess over a hobby <laughs> if I, I just like that for him it's it's like it's just more fun yeah. than i think what most people i think most folks out there they fall into the camp of it being something that they barely get around to doing mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to it being something that they're spending too much time thinking about obviously either way it's good to have good to have balance but i, I like that that john he's enjoying it now it's yeah. a it's a hobby for him you don't participate in hobbies that you don't like <laughs> but john I, I totally get the idea of wanting to reduce the amount of sweat equity that it takes to invest in real estate uh there are certainly some folks out there in the real estate space who are transparent who are a little more honest about how much work that it takes to own and to manage a, a rental property. Uh, but there's also a lot of bluster out there. There's a lot of folks who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally chill. Passive income. Doesn't <laughs> 500 units in a month. Doesn't take anything. Yeah, uh, it's so easy. You can like make millions <laughs> in your sleep. Yeah, it can. A lot of people saying stuff like that. It can that. be hard to tell, you know, what's true out there how much work it really takes to invest in real estate. Uh, it's certainly not passive income in the way that many folks say that it is. It is more of a part-time job in reality. Uh, but for us, it has also been a part-time job with serious financial benefits that we've been able to realize over the years. The juice has definitely been worth the squeeze for us, uh, but we always want to paint an accurate picture for folks uh, so that they know what they are getting into before they pounce, before they start scouring the internet for deals and driving around and trying to find a way to maximize the money that they're putting into real estate. Yeah, and of course, like buying a single family home or a duplex just isn't in the cards, cards for lots of folks. They... They have heard us talk about it or they've heard other people who are painting an accurate picture say that investing in real estate is more like a part-time job, that it is going to take a lot of, especially in the beginning, work on your part to paint walls, to fix some stuff, to manage that property well, and uh, to make sure that it's in good and proper condition to rent, to find good tenants, all the stuff that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. And not everyone wants to participate in that economy. They don't want to have their own side hustle renting out a home, which I totally get. Like it's not, it's not for everyone. It doesn't need to be. And two, like a lot of people are just busy with families and careers. Like they don't need that or want that hassle. That's totally fine. But it can be a great wealth builder, of course, for folks who have the time and capacity to learn, who want to find the deals, they want to manage some properties. They don't mind doing all the above. But uh, buying an individual property near where you live, it's not the only way to get invested in real estate. And it's important to mention that. That is potentially the move that has the most upside. But John is asking about investing in REITs or real estate investment trusts as a way to invest. And these are publicly traded funds that invest in all sorts of different real estate holdings, giving you access to uh, real estate exposure inside of your investments without having to own the property yourself. And so REITs are basically meant to circumvent some of the downsides of owning physical real estate while still offering investors exposure to the sector. Totally. Yeah. And there are more flavors. Uh, I don't know if that's a good way of talking about real estate, <laughs> but there's, there's there's more variety of REITs out there than there's ever been before. I prefer the Neapolitan <laughs> REITs myself, Matt. Classic mint chocolate chip REIT. Now, they're, uh, they're private REITs. There's uh, public traded REITs. Uh, There are e-REITs as well. Those are uh, like company-specific REITs on sites like Fundrise. Uh, Those are becoming massively popular as well since they're typically like within an app. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And while Fundrise, it is the best of the bunch. We'd rather you actually not go that route uh, and stick to just the boring old publicly traded REITs if you're going to get involved. And that's because they have the lowest costs. They have the most flexibility on your ability to get your money out uh, as far as the liquidity of your money. So for instance, V&Q, 
from Vanguard. That's one of our favorites because not only is it widely diversified, but it also has incredibly low costs, like you would expect from a company like Vanguard. Mm -hmm. Charles Schwab has a, a solid one as well. It's a SCHH. So, shh. <laughs> it's a it's a solid low cost REIT as well, and you know the great thing for you and for others who are in the same boat as you is that investing in these publicly traded REITs, zero sweat equity. Uh, and so, if you're wanting to make sure you've got enough time to hang with your buddies, or to continue uh, coaching Little League, or to spend that additional time doing projects at your own house, uh, that is how you can again get exposure to this sector without spending a, a ton of time or by exhausting a, a, spending a lot of sweat in order to make this happen. Yeah, or having to save up a ton of money too, because typically yeah. buying individual properties means like you need to have a massive down payment saved up, and so it's just tougher to get into. And you're like, hey, I want some real estate exposure. Well, uh, investing in one of these publicly traded REITs is often the simplest way to do it. And like you said, the most liquid as well. Uh, but I think it's important to mention and answer the question like, should How Do Money listeners have some of their dollars in in real estate investment trusts? Should they be looking up V&Q inside of their 401k or IRA and clicking purchase? And that's a tough question to answer. So much of it depends on your specific financial standing. But for a lot of people who already have, especially if you own a home already, you already have a large exposure to real estate. Mm -hmm. Or if you have real investment properties, it's not necessary for you, although it's not the worst thing you could do either. Like REITs are typically pretty good investments over the long haul. And uh, so just like we would tell you what to do with any other investment, we want you to be thinking like a long-term investor when you opt to invest in publicly traded REITs. And we still want you mostly invested in the overall stock market because REITs just haven't been around as long. There's less history to draw from. And of the data that we do have, for example, the past eight years that B&Q has been publicly traded, its overall performance is lacking compared to the overall market. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it will be that way moving forward, right? Prior returns, what happened over the last eight years, that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen over the next eight. That's and, true. And so trying to incorporate some real estate exposure into your portfolio, especially if you're inclined to do so, is totally fine. But just don't overdo it. And make sure you're planning on leaving that money invested in that REIT fund for many years to come, better yet, decades. And if you're curious to hear more about our thoughts on owning physical real estate, we talked about that in detail in episode 401, uh, trying to give listeners a clear-eyed view of what you need to be prepared for if you do opt to go down that path. Totally. And you know, going back to, so within his question, John was saying that he assumes that you and I, that we both own a little bit of both, a little bit, you know, probably own some REITs, but also some physical, tangible, actual real estate. And what's funny is that neither neither you nor I own any REITs. And it, it, truly, it does come back to what you said, the fact that not only do we own our own primary residences, we own our own, own homes, but we do have uh, real estate holdings. We, we do have investment properties. Uh, and so because of that, I think it, it would be... It seems a little bit foolish to continue to go down that path. We would be overexposed. We would be overexposed to that, uh, that portion there, of the market. There are different kinds sure. of real estate that's being invested inside of these REITs. You're talking office towers. You're talking hospital properties. Like You're talking all sorts of different kinds of real estates. But but still, we'd be overexposed to the asset class as a whole. Exactly. And, it's, and again, it's not because... REITs are speculative. You know, it's, sure. it, it's not cryptocurrency. It is a, a, a true, solid sector of the market. It is an asset class that is worth considering. But honestly, personally, even if I didn't own any investment properties, I'm still not totally sure if I would funnel some of my investment dollars towards REITs just because from a historical standpoint, the, the performance isn't quite there. And there's just less 
data to go on yeah. when it comes to the history of REITs, how they're going to perform. It might blow up in the coming decades, we, yeah. but we just don't know. So yeah, I, I don't want to dissuade people from it, but I also don't want to make it sound like investing in real estates through these publicly traded funds are something that like all of our listeners should be doing. That's right, man. But we've got a couple more questions that we're going to get to during this episode, including a listener who's trying to just cut down how much it costs to have kids. We'll get to that plus another right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, Matt. Kids are expensive. You teased that before the break. We're going to get to that question in just a second. Two meals a day is probably going to be my answer instead of three, right? Uh, intermittent <laughs> fasting, maybe, for your small children. <laughs> no uh, more snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what Andrew Huberman would have to say about that, but uh, let's get to our, our, our next question, though. Um, and this one is about doing banking. Where should you be doing your banking when you started your own small business? Hey, guys. My name is Jeff. I'm currently in Pittsburgh, PA. 
I'm a new listener, but I'm really enjoying all the information you guys are putting out. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to all the other listeners who actually submit questions. This is a little tricky to get the recording right on the first go. So good job to everyone who's been submitting questions because your questions are helping people like me. So my question today is related to business banking accounts versus personal banking accounts. I'm in the very early um, innings right now of starting my own small business and was planning on just setting up a separate personal bank account to handle the finances. My question is, how soon should I be considering a business bank account instead of just a separated out personal bank account? Especially if I'm not sure how successful my small business is going to be, is it really necessary to set up all these, to set up a really specific business bank account instead of just another personal one? Especially because I do tend to see that rates are generally better and fee structures are generally more favorable for personal accounts versus business accounts. One other piece of information is I'm also in the process of setting up my business as a single member LLC. Um, just in case that impacts any of the information for me specifically. Thanks in advance for any advice you can give, and I look forward to hearing your answer. Jeff, we are glad to have you here, here on the show, here at How to Money, and a serious thanks to everyone out there who submits a question for real. Uh, hopefully the answers that we give helps folks out there as individuals, but your questions, they also help a ton of other folks as well. So we appreciate all of you who send your voice memos our way. Yeah. So Jeff, we definitely want you to have your business and your personal finances separate. Just mixing the two, it can be a, first of all, it can be a bookkeeping nightmare. And so because of that, we want you to avoid it at all costs. Those business transactions should, should most definitely be done from a completely different account than your personal one. Uh, but you could opt to, to open either a personal account or a business one. Having a solo run business as an individual, that means that you don't really need to open an official business bank account. That is, unless you're creating a separate legal entity, which you are. Uh, so for you, Jeff, for, for legal purposes, you will need to open a business bank account in order to make sure that business money, uh, that it is separate from personal funds. Uh, but the good news is that business accounts have gotten a whole lot better in recent years. My goodness, this is one of those sectors that for the longest time, it was like, business bank accounts paid you nothing and in fact they feed you to death mm -hmm. like it was it was terrible like trying to recommend where someone should go to open up a business banking a checking or savings account it, it felt like uh, the desert with no oasis in sight. And, but they, and they used to be massively inferior to individual accounts, but that is not even the case anymore. So Jeff, uh, I get why you would say that. And it's not completely outdated information because there are still a lot of crummy business bank accounts out there, but there are so many better options now. But Matt, even when we started this podcast, when we opened up our business checking account five plus years ago, it was... The landscape had, it was much different. It was much worse. I feel like there's one option, yeah, and that's the option we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, okay, cool. There's at least five or six decent ones out there. There are more competitors on the scene, which is good. And, and it's true that there are still better rates of return from some of our favorite individual accounts. Right, uh, but business accounts uh, are are have made a comeback, and they're offering more competitive features. American Express and Capital One they have solid bank account options. American Express is currently paying one point three percent, which is pretty solid. Uh, but Bluevine and Mercury, they're two other ones we'd recommend you look into. Uh, if you jump through a couple of hoops, you can earn a two percent APY on a, the Bluevine checking account. But all those ones I just mentioned are ones that are are competitive in the business banking uh, environment. 
environment offering more features and just a better return on your money that you have stashed away. Yeah, they're not going to pay quite as high, you know, like you said, Jill, as uh, the, the personal accounts out there, but they all pay decently well while also offering some additional perks to help you out as a business owner as well. So the fees, first of all, they're, they're almost non-existent uh, with all the banks that we just mentioned, but also almost all of them have extra bells and whistles that will help you out as a business owner. Uh, for instance, Lily, uh, this is a newer bank that's been on our radar, but it was designed with freelancers in mind, uh, and it comes with built-in invoicing capabilities, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, this account can even help you with accounting and with tax planning and, and optimization. Granted, it only pays one and a half percent, which is honestly still great when it comes to business checking accounts, but it sure seems to more than make up for that lower APR considering the uh, the additional perks that they offer. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing to keep in mind is that we want you to make sure that you, you're viewing this problem just with a big picture in mind, because even if, you know, like, so let's say you have $10,000 just on average sitting there in that account over the course of a year, even if you can earn, eke out another like 2%, you're, you're talking about 200 bucks. And if you were to ask me, would you like to have $200? I would say yes. But we also want to make sure that you're not stressing over that and that you you're using your additional creative uh, creative energy towards maybe growing your business, doing the thing that you're, you're most excited about, A, but then B, that could p- potentially see a return on investment much, much, much greater than, you know, just a, a couple hundred bucks over the course of a year. Yeah. So prioritize, look into all these banks, I would say. We'll list them all out in the show notes. Find the one that maybe has the best mix of interest rate features, customer service that make the most sense for you and sign up for that bank. Again, all the ones we mentioned are going to have minimal fees, uh, not going to fee you on a monthly ongoing basis. And some of them are going to offer just insane software perks that are going to make your your business endeavors much easier. Lily is kind of the most interesting one, Matt, I agree, kind of on the business banking front right now. But one of, one of the other things too is, is hopefully you can always cash flow your growth, but let's say some point maybe you need to get a loan for your business. Well, it would it's going to help you to have a had a business banking account with the accompanying financial records too. And so we're not sure what kind of business you're thinking of of opening, but some vendors are also going to require an EIN number. So form that business, make it official, get your EIN number, open that business banking account, and Jeff, good luck. We hope this uh, doesn't remain a side hustle for yeah. for very long. Hopefully, it becomes your full fledged thing, not too many months or years down the road. That's right. Yeah, and th- there's something there's there's an added psychological element too that comes from taking the official steps uh, to where I th- I think we un- that we underestimate by creating a legit business. I think there's also a chance of you seeing a greater level of success as opposed to this being something that's fly by night sort of thing. All right, so let's get to our last question from for the episode. And you know, inflation it's causing the price of everything to go up. Joel, including the cost of daycare. Let's hear from Emily. Hey, this is Emily calling in from Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, Matt and Joel, I love the podcast. I appreciate all the banter back and forth. Um, would love to hear a little bit more about y'all's take on childcare, specifically ways to save, ways to invest, any tax breaks, and how to manage that pretty large daycare bill for two kids. My husband and I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and um, those daycare and diaper and all the other costs that go associated with kids are are pretty large. So would love to hear y'all's take. Thanks. 
Ooh, she mentioned diapers, Joel. We should probably mention. I don't know if we have on the show. We just potty trained the dudes, and so we are yep. finally out of the diaper stage. It feels so good to remove that. Oh yeah, as a line item. Okay, so we had a few diapers left lingering around in the house, and don't tell me you tried to sell them. No, okay. no I didn't. <laughs> I should have. My my little guy Ezra. He's he's three. He he just turned three, and he is uh, was obsessed with the diaper fuzz. He would pull off parts of his diaper in the night, and he would rub it on his face. And so, like going to bed at night, he's still like dad dad i need the diaper fuzz and so i've still got some of those diapers laying around oh so my like gosh are you serious ripping them into shreds <laughs> to help him with his diaper fuzz fixation hey if that's what helps keep the i know the bed dry at night <laughs> i would be willing to do that it's working it's working as well yes i think yeah but yeah diapers aren't cheap and and matt you've you ran the numbers and you found that diapers at aldi are typically the best price oh yeah so um if yeah if you're not sure emily where to buy those diapers um, definitely check that out and even even more so than costco yeah You'd, um it's it's pretty close in price, but the absolute lowest price, at least uh, a year ago, maybe yeah. two, two years ago, was definitely Aldi. And it's not like they're massively inferior or anything, or I, they don't cover the bum as well. Personally, or. I actually thought that they were better, because we tried the Costco ones, and in my, in our opinion, the uh, the Costco ones were a little too narrow. Okay. They, they didn't flare as much in the uh, in the bottom region to okay. catch you, all the You heard it here from to catch the, all the debris. <laughs> diaper expert, Matt, that uh, you should definitely get them at Aldi, along with the rest of your groceries saving money on that front. Heck but yeah. let, let's start maybe with uh, the the biggest part of her question to Matt, the thing that's going to cost way more than diapers even, which is which is daycare. And that's obviously just a really difficult conundrum um, for, for some folks. You know, once they hit critical mass on the kid front, they opt to have one of the adult parents stay at home with the kids uh, because of the insane costs of childcare depends on each of your incomes it could be having two kids or it could be have uh, it could be the third kid when that kind of just makes financial sense to not go out there earn a paycheck pay taxes on that paycheck but to stay at home with kids and again like that's uh, that involves so many other things uh, in in that decision beyond just financials it's like is that what you want do you want to give up on yeah. a career or, or d- does your does your partner Emily want to give up on their career to stay home with the kids those um, that, that that's more than just financial but I will say it does does begin to make financial sense at some point and it might even be the fifth kid i don't know <laughs> but if you're planning to go that far but how do you limit the cost of child care well where do you take the matters matt I, th- I know you remember this because when we moved up here 20 minutes north of the city our child care costs got almost cut in half oh yeah there was a lot more competition in the space up here there were not going to say that that's why we moved up here <laughs> uh, but it was definitely something uh, that was a happy realization for sure mm-hmm. it was a welcome respite from the large oh, yeah. daycare bills we, we had in town down in the city and part of this because there's a large number of churches offering child care service so, so there was like there's nonprofits which are often offering the best rate on child care so look into some of those organizations near you are there any nonprofits uh, offering child care services that are kind of subsidized to a certain degree because that's part of their mission i would i would at least look into that and and do some do some shopping around to see if you can find a better rate on daycare than what you're paying now that's right. But some more daycare tips for you, Emily. Don't forget, if you have a dependent care FSA at work, that's a flexible spending account. If you have one of those, that can at least allow you to forego having to pay taxes, at least on a portion of your daycare bill. Uh, that's maxed out at $5,000 for a family. But uh, depending on how substantial your childcare needs are, uh, and here, this is key as well, if you have other friends who have similar needs, who are in the same boat, who also might live near you, maybe your, your neighbors, well, you might be able to, to do a nanny share 
in an effort to, uh, to get more individualized attention alongside potentially reducing the cost. Uh, and depending on how flexible your schedule is, you might even be able to do some uh, some childcare swaps with other parents uh, who are in similar situations. So maybe you're able to maintain some flexible uh, a flexible work arrangement where you're home a couple days a week and you're able to simultaneously you know, do a good job keeping an eye on the kids and taking care of them while while also monitoring your email. Well, makes, that's something to keep in mind. Makes me think of our date night swaps, but instead you could do it somehow with work. If you're working 30 hours a week Sometimes, and it's like, yeah, the nine to five. I've got, I've got 15 <laughs> hours I could watch somebody else's kids and then maybe they have 15 they could watch mine and but yeah, kind of cobble it together that way. Heck yeah. And I think another idea, and this, this actually might be a bit extreme, but... Uh, maybe you can get a new job. <laughs> uh, some employers out there, they are offering incredible childcare benefits as perks. Uh, it's at least worth considering, uh, given how big of a line item we're talking about here, uh, if you have a couple of kids. And if not, if this is something your employer doesn't offer, well, ask your HR department if this is something that they might consider offering if there's enough folks uh, asking for maybe an on-site little daycare, like yeah. something where there's enough parents asking uh, for some sort of option. Well, that might be something that they decide to add as a way to to include some additional benefits, you know, while maybe keeping their employ uh, their employees pay in check. Yeah. Sometimes they're, they're trying to find some of those creative ways to entice uh, new talent. But it's worth thinking through some, you know, just outside of the box some dip, more creative ways to consider tackling this expense rather than just, I got to work more in order to earn more money so that we can cover this expense. Yeah. And, and I know it's easy. It's not easy. Like, I, I feel like that was the most difficult time for us, for Emily and I, was when we had that like two-year-old and then the newborn. And so it's you know, th- there are a lot of financial questions alongside kind of the new emotional reality of, of your life with two young kids, which is not easy, also joyful. But uh, y- you asked too, Emily, about ways to save and invest for your kiddo. And, and we've talked about this a few times recently, but 529 plans uh, make more sense than they ever have before, given the recent law changes that we saw mm. happen at the very end of last year. And you might want to open up just a, a basic savings account at a local credit union for your kiddos. Let's say it's just a few hundred dollars as they get birthday and Christmas money, stuff like that. I think that can be really helpful and allow them to start saving that money, socking it away for more near-term purchases when you want them to, you know, you're not necessarily uh, wanting them to save up for the down payment for their first home at the age of two or something like that. I mean, and maybe you are, maybe you're thinking that far ahead. And I think that's where the, the 529 plan might make more sense. But uh, if you're sticking money into a, a credit union account, you're helping to teach them about how money works by doing that too, which I think is powerful, right? You want them to actually have access to physical dollars as they start to grow, because that's going to give them an ability to use and prioritize how those dollars are allocated. Um, and But if you really are wanting to grow wealth to lower the cost of their future education or to help them start saving uh, for retirement early, 529 accounts are now a fantastic landing spot for some of those dollars. But still, we always say this, Matt, prioritize investing for your own retirement first. That takes place. Even though 529 accounts are better than they've ever been, it doesn't make them better or more important than investing for your own retirement. Totally. All right. One other sort of maybe scrappy way to to lower the cost of childcare that I just thought of. If you are lucky enough to live in the same town as your parents, Mm -hmm. so the grandparents, I think this is a conversation that is worth starting at least. Yeah. And of course, you don't want to assume that this is A, something that they want to do, (laughs) or B, something that they can afford, that they have the financial ability to do. But oftentimes, 
our parents, uh, you know, we're, we're millennials here, um, but th- the next generation, like they're oftentimes retiring around the same time that uh, millennials are kind of popping out babies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it is worth starting the conversation because if you find out that, A, they do, this is a desire that they have uh, to spend more time with the grandkids, and B, if there's a, fi- a way that you can financially arrange this, I think, again, this is a conversation worth having. Not that you would completely be able to replace their income, but if perhaps you were able to meet in the middle somewhere. So let's say it costs you $30,000 to, uh, that would be really expensive, I guess, uh, but to pay for uh, your kid's childcare for over the course of a year. For well, two kids, that might not actually be. Yeah, actually, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in a ma- major a lot, metro. But, yeah. But imagine if you were able to have that, if you were to, able to cut that in half uh, and instead of 30, you're able to pay 15 that you were to give your grandparents or your, your folks and say, hey, I know this isn't necessarily going to be easy. I know you're looking at stepping away from work where you're getting a real paycheck. But if this is going to be able to help offset some of your expenses as you are kind of easing into retirement, it could be yeah. a win-win for everybody. And I would hate for that to not be an option for you just because that's not a discussion uh, that anybody brought up. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good point. My, yeah. my, my parents are watching my kids every Thursday for like three to four hours, taking them to swim lessons Boom. and all that stuff now. There you go. Because Emily's in grad school and I'm sitting here hanging out with you like an idiot. And so, <laughs> uh, they, so that, that has been really what helpful. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> could be with my kids. Even just those, those, those few hours. It's just like a massive relief for us. So yeah, I think getting the ball rolling, trying to just see if they're interested is is a worthwhile question to pose, Matt. Yeah. I agree. All right, let's get back to the beer though, Matt, that we had on this oh, episode. Oh boy. Please, let's. <laughs> it was amazing. This is it was called Jasper with Peacherine, which is just an interesting name. But I think Peacherine was actually one of the two hops they used in the making mm-hmm. of this IPA, right? It was by Fiden's Brewing. Uh, what were your thoughts Fiden's on this one? or Fiden's? We, we don't know. We yeah. have never had this brewery before. I love receiving beers uh, from breweries that we don't have access to. I've never seen this on the shelves here in Atlanta. Ne- me neither. But yeah, like you said, it looks like this was made with Citra and Peacherine. And Peacherine, it's not a hop that I have even heard of before, but I looked it up real quick. Evidently, it has a lot of like citrus fruit-like qualities. So like orange, maybe even a little bit of lime, obviously some tangerine, uh, Peacherine, maybe a little bit of peach. I don't know. <laughs> but the first thing worth noting about this beer is when we poured it, it was the milkiest IPA I've ever had in my entire it's life. like a milky yellow color. Yeah, like it was barely warm, uh, but it was real creamy looking. And I thought to myself, this is either going to be a really good beer or a really bad beer. <laughs> because you don't you don't typically make an IPA that looks like that if it's not going to be completely awesome. And fortunate for us, it was very, very delicious. I was thinking this might be the best IPA we've ever had on you, the show. You think it's, so? It's at least like top five oh for sure. Oh, was so stupid. It was delicious, good. yeah. And this was uh, uh, sent to us by listener Michael. And so, yeah, Michael... Thank you so much. This was awesome. And uh, I, yeah, I, I can't remember having an IPA that was more unique, but also more tasty in recent memory. Citrusy, but it's got all of those fresh hop-like qualities. I mean, it's just a, a fantastic example of a hazy New England New England style IPA. It had the right amount of bitterness and sharpness from those hops, but at the same time, it was mellowed out and fruity and the, it just had the right amount of sweetness going on yep. at the same time. So stinking delicious. A huge thank you to Michael and Emily for sending this one our way. It makes me even more excited about we're going to have another one by Fiddens or Fidens on Wednesday's episode. So already looking forward to that one, man. Yeah, same here. All right, but that's going to do it for this episode. If you want the show notes for this one, you can find everything that we mentioned, including links to those small business banking accounts that we think are top notch. Those are going to be 
be available on our website at howtomoney.com. And by the way, if you're like, hey, I need a better credit card than what, I've curr- what I'm currently rolling with, well, our new How to Money credit card tool makes it easy for you to find the right one for you. Just go to howtomoney.com slash credit cards. You can find it there. It's kind of fun just to mess around with anyway. But that's all she wrote for today. Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.